Hi there, welcome to the Way Beyond Words podcast, hosted by me, Peter J. Ryan, and Abel Z. Each week you will be dropping in a conversation of ours about the techniques, psychology, and philosophy of experiential focusing, and our favorite philosopher, Eugene Genlin. Thanks for joining us. At what point did you stop saying, it's all my parents' fault? <laughs> oh, I don't know, a long time ago. Because I didn't give them a lot of credit either. Right. Credit they probably didn't need. No, I think they deserve some. I think those were related for me. Right? There, weren't, there wasn't a lot of either, so there wasn't this big sense of like ever blaming them for things. Oh, this makes a lot of... I actually get what you're saying with that. Though, you know, when my, when my mother died... 20 years ago and when my father died a few years ago, I did have a sense of a kind of grief or sadness or sense of loss of, over what they weren't able to be. Mm-hmm. Their lost opportunities, their uh, sadness and isolation, their parenting disabilities. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a kind of grief for that. The not giving your parents credit. I think that took me a long time to understand that my parents were really young. Again, yeah, seeing all of their lost opportunities, feeling less need to blame them for their mistakes, and just really wanting to move forward out of it, and really wanting to not hold on to it anymore in my life. Just rebuild it differently, you know, a sense of rebuilding out of those, uh, you know, pieces of generational drama. We were joking about grief a few minutes ago, but... um... It is hard to joke about grief, just noticing that, um, you know, parents are absurd a lot of the time. Yeah. And there's a point in adolescence where we are really beginning to be able to use language to label and conceptualize things that were otherwise invisible. Mm. And that happens when you start to have relationships with other types of adults, people who are very different than one's family. And so that conceptualization, that new, like, you know, realizing that, you know, you're, oh my, this person's father is, seems to be really um, relaxed and confident and happy. You don't, you notice for the first time that your own father isn't that way. And then you start to use language and conversation to start to explore that with friends and perhaps with other adults. There's a certain time of life where that begins to happen. Yeah, definitely. And that 15-year-old, 14-year-old, there's a lot of forward motion in a person that's that age, developmental forwardness. So maybe grieving for the faults of one's parents doesn't come into it so much because there's so much more going on. And where I think a lot of adults do slam right into that grief of the failed parent is when they themselves become parents and they start to worry (laughs) about what kind of parent they're going to be. That was coming up for me. I think another part of this is the parents either grieving or not grieving their mistakes to their children. There's something about that that feels like it would be validating if my parents if I could see them grieve all of these things that we all went through together. And, you know, not in a blaming way, not in a, you know, needing confirmation way, but just really seeing that they 
got past that mindset or, you know, let it go or, you know, changed now, you know, also wanting to see them grow out of it. There's something about that that feels important to me. So the, <clears throat> the grief is transformed by understanding or context or something. Mm-hmm. There's something about grief. We were saying that it is very complex, that it's changing all the time. It's hard to keep the awareness that it's changing all the time. And there's also an aspect of grief that involves a kind of disbelief that it happened at all. But there's also something about grief that is very isolated. That isolation, I think, kind of... I don't... This isn't really what I mean, but like there's a kind of... Um, just I can re recall this very well. And there's a free-floatingness or a, it's its own thing. It has no context. There's a context missing for the, being deep in grief. And that context missing is a kind of immersion in the grief. And there's a period of grieving that is very much like that, I think. I agree with you. Even if you're, even if you logically know that like a lot of the things you're feeling aren't maybe what real or something, you're still going through them and letting yourself kind of experience all of those aspects and all of those thoughts that come with loss. It's a very full body experience. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And so that immersion, that lack of context, that sense of grief turning on itself and only referencing itself, which I have experienced recently with the death of Willow and then before that the death of Milton, being in that kind of fog and then passing one of the altars creates a little bit of perspective, a little bit of context, a little sense of change and time. Mm. And the contextlessness begins to, that quality begins to fade a little by registering some change. And like what you said at the beginning, with <clears throat> beginning to notice parents as they were really young, you know, for instance, I mean, being 21 or 22 and having a baby is like unthinkable. Yeah. But now you've created some context. Uh. Right. And then the sense of the experience of grief is different. And maybe with some context, even though the grief itself is maybe sharpened and less immersive, some context then creates little distance, but also allows more things to be, to, to come into awareness, things that may have been too threatening or destabilizing, or maybe grief is too unstable to really allow a whole lot in. I don't know. But one thing I noticed, for instance, was that, um, in the middle of my grief, say, for Milton, and also more recently with Willow, but I learned this with Milton, was that I tended, I began to recognize that I tended to remember and, in fact, grieve a dog who was young. Oh. Not an older, suffering, frightened dog. Yes. And when I realized that's what I was doing, and I began to... Mm -hmm visualize deliberately him as frail and him as scared. 
something about the grieving changed. And that it was harder with Willow because she got sick and died so quickly. <clears throat> there was that, but there was something about the, um, the visualizing of how she actually was as she died, which um, changed the experience. Because I noticed that I had been grieving an idealized person. Yeah, an idealized person, an idealized young pup. And why I thought of this is because I maybe were grieving an idealized parent yeah. without critically investigating uh, what the nature of that idealization is. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, that is that from the Experience Studio at Counseling Confidence in Doylestown, PA. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Abel. And thank you, Mike Whartonby, for producing this. Join us next week. And in the meantime, have fun. Thank you.